All right, we are sitting down with a buddy, a former teammate, a good guy, just a good guy, C-Rai, Connor Ryan, um, one of our former teammates from UIC, and and what I want to do is kind of spoil the ending here from your career. Um, ultimately drafted in 2017 in the eighth round by the Reds, um, but along the way, you developed the yips, worked your ass off to overcome it, and... Just thought it would be a cool, a different angle to kind of take on this episode to talk about the mental side of baseball. And especially after having Hannah Huseman on um, a couple months ago, it's just something that's not really talked about as much as it should. So, C. Wright, thank you for coming on. We're excited to have you. No, man, really excited to be here. As always, it's nice to see you guys, Um, especially with COVID and stuff, you know. So, yeah, I'll get right into it. Um, Yeah, Jack kind of went into uh, how things kind of ended up. But I think the most important part is, you know, how, how my journey kind of started. Um, so I'll kind of go back to 2014, 2015-ish. Um, Pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the days, right? Um, but I started out at uh, Prairie State Community College uh, for my freshman year. Wasn't so great in high school, you know, got the job done, was decent enough to go play college ball, but started out at a JUCO. Um, and after that JUCO, I, I was, uh, blessed with the opportunity to go play in the Northwoods. So, uh, if anybody's familiar with that, I went to go play with the Madison Mallards and where things kind of started to go South for me was probably like the first day. So I walked in and you know, teammates started introducing themselves, you know, University of North Carolina, University of Florida, Texas, Texas Tech, Clemson, like powerhouse schools, right? And amongst those guys, um, I don't know if I even told you to, uh, Pete Alonzo was on that team. So I played with Pete and then uh, Matt Tice, who just made his debut with the uh, the Angels. He's like a corner infielder catcher. Um so, you know, after like the first couple of days of like watching how legit those guys were and my background coming from a JUCO playing amongst them, I was like, dang, you know, and you kind of have those those thoughts here and there. Like, should I even be here? You know, and seeing how extremely talented those guys were, you kind of or at least, you know, for me, I started to doubt my my abilities a little bit, which I think is natural. Um, but it just kind of got to the point where, you know, things kind of spiraled a little bit. And then if you fast forward um, to UIC, um, unfortunately, things kind of fell apart. Um, you know, you, you guys saw it kind of day in and day out for probably a good majority of a year. Um, but what happened was, is that I guess in its simplest terms, my performance anxiety got so bad that I kind of forgot how to throw. And the only reason I use those terms is because for a lot of people that aren't in the baseball community, they're probably wondering, you know, like, like, what are the yips? You know, you hear about it in golf sometimes. Uh, and those are kind of like the primary two sports uh, as far as I'm concerned with what I've learned in school so far. Um, but the best way that I can put it is imagine you're driving, okay? Something you've done for years, something you're really good at. You don't even have to think twice about doing it. And then maybe uh, – Something happens, you know, you get rear-ended, you get in an accident, whatever, and your driving becomes so bad that you kind of just like forget how to drive, I guess. You know, you overthink everything you're trying to do. Um, 
So the only reason I wanted to bring up that scenario is so everybody's kind of on the same page about what kind of happened. Um, so then the next couple of years, I worked with uh, Gloria, as you guys know, who was an absolute saint. Um, she was a sports psychologist at UIC. And basically the next couple of years, I devoted um, you know, a lot of my time and effort into relearning how to throw a baseball the right way. And luckily things worked out um, really, really well. And then Jack, like you said, you know, uh, things worked out to the point where I, you know, I had a chance to play professional baseball. So that was awesome. But yeah, so that's kind of just like a quick little snippet. Um, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself playing, uh, amongst those guys in the Northwoods and then also at UIC, you know, competing for a spot and playing at the division one level. And, you know, unfortunately just with, with the way that I am, the way that I process things, um, you know, performance decreased, uh, you know, like inefficiency for, for quite a bit. Well, you just, uh, you just told the whole story. So I guess we're just, we're done here. Yeah. We just can't yeah. right here. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, no. let's, uh, yeah, God. that's, that's on me. We'll revisit that a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 that's God. totally, right. it's actually, it's actually really, you know, that was a, I like how you laid it out that way because it just shows like really shitty point, you know, worked at it, overcame it, accomplished your goal. But you touched on like Mitch and I kind of seeing it when we were playing together at UIC, which was true, but we only saw like the performance side of it. We didn't see any part of, you know, when you're back at your apartment or when you're in class or when you're mm. talking to your parents after games. So what's, what is like the off field mental side of it? Because obviously you're frustrated with how you're playing. You're putting all this time and effort into throwing programs, lifting, sequencing, film, whatever it is for on-field performance. And then you just kind of, your, your brain and your body has this disconnect as you go into a game to actually throw and put all those, you know, all those pieces to work. So what was it like, take, like going home and taking that home mm -hmm. with you? No, so that's a really good question. Um, so essentially when you have the yips or, um, even if you just have performance anxiety and things like that, the, the biggest thing that goes wrong, and this is what a lot of the literature and research will go into, like, you know, as you look into the stuff and this is what I'm learning about. Uh, and I'm sure that Hannah may have talked about this or something similar, but when athletic performance goes down, you usually start focusing internally. So on you, on how you feel your emotions, um, and like how you perceive the scenario. So what Gloria and I worked on for the most part in its simplest form was kind of focusing, you know, my cognitive abilities, you know, and starting to think externally. So like, what do I actually want to happen? You know, which is throw a ball as hard as I can right down the middle of the plate, you know, spin a nasty slider, you know, like whatever it is, like I had to focus on what my goal was instead of how did I feel during the process of trying to achieve that, if that makes sense. Um, so a lot of that is um, a lot of exercises where Gloria would have me simply try to uh, shift my focus from one thing or another, or have me think about one thing for as long as I could. So that way I could try to train my mind to stay focused on something, even when my mind started to drift, or a lot of it was distraction trying to think about something else during competition that would be beneficial. So here's, here's one thing that was cool that nobody ever saw. This is the first time I'm talking about it. Mike and I would go into the indoor facility 
Um, it was either really early in the morning or really late at night when I first started going through this. And he would get a backup catcher uh, or somebody just to to kind of stick it for me. And what would happen was is that my mindset was more on the timid side. You know, it was don't make a mistake, don't mess up, whatever. So to try to combat that, we went full aggressive. So I would throw bullpens, and at release point, I would yell, fuck you, as loud as I could when I was throwing. Now, like, that sounds wild, you know? But for me, that's what it had. And the cool part about mental performance and mental skills training is that different things work for different guys. So for me to to kind of combat what I was going through, I had to go the full opposite side of the spectrum and do something wild that helped me. So it was it was a it was a distraction, but at the same time, it was kind of it was kind of like making a concrete decision to be as aggressive as I could at all times when I was throwing. And I think over time that that kind of helped push me towards the mindset that I needed to uh, to kind of be in. So if you can imagine, you know, midnight on a Wednesday, UIC facility upstairs, walking down the hallway, you know, the janitor's probably thinking like, what the hell is going <laughs> on in there? Because I was just, you know, dropping F-bombs left and right as loud as I could. Yeah, my, my, um, my man's cleaning the floors and he's like, fuck, I'm making – Minimum wage right now. I got this douchebag over here yelling. I just want to go home. Like, can, can, yeah. can this guy stop? You know, right. And then he peeks around the corner and he sees me not even sniffing the strike zone. Balls are going halfway <laughs> up the net or I'm spiking it, you know, 30 feet in front of me. And this dude's like, all right, I don't know, like, what's going on. But this dude, you know, he's got some stuff going on. It might sound like a, a joking question, but I'm actually being serious. Did you ever mm-hmm. think about, like, bringing that into the game? Not yelling it as loud right. as you probably were in the bullpen, but, like, you know? No, I did. I, no, no, no. I'm glad you brought that up because after, after externalizing it, because I had to, you know, like it's a forced action. You never, nobody in their right mind is going to want to yell mid pitch. You know what I mean? So I had to, I had to get that down and, and verbalize it. So it became natural. And then once that, that process of repeating those words um, became kind of cemented, then I just went, straight you know thinking about it so when i was when i was stepping onto the mound and i took my deep breath i would look at the hitter and then i would either like you know whisper it or just think it you know like fuck this dude and that's what helped me kind of get my my performance back on track and just be aggressive and then just think about the process of trying to throw the ball as hard as i could rather than trying to aim it and think about making a mistake so yeah really good question but yeah that's that's kind of the process that um, I followed throughout. Connor, I want to I want to run through your timeline a little bit because you did give us a good uh, little snippet of kind of everything that happened. Uh, but as a baseball guy, I mean, pitchers, hitters, everyone kind of goes through some like performance anxiety or self doubt at some point. Um, but there's a big distinction between the yips and a little bit of stress or anxiety, right? It's mm-hmm. it's two totally separate things. I think when people turn on the podcast and they heard, I, I know I was this way. I heard the word yips and I was like, dude, don't say that around me. Like, mm-hmm. don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it because I always thought like, oh, you hear the word yips and then the next, next day you're throwing, you're going to get the yips type deal, right? right? Like you're so superstitious in baseball. It's a battle. But we obviously, mm-hmm. Yeah, we obviously know that that's not, not the case of, of what happens. I want you to kind of dive in a little bit deeper about when it actually came out in, in inside 
your mind, you're like, okay, I, I have something going on. Is it a buildup of events that happen? And then one day it just kind of all um, basically like a pot of water overboiling. Uh, mm-hmm. Does it get to a point where it just spills over and, and it kind of gets out of control? How, how is that timeline? Um, because you took us through the Northwoods to UIC um, when we saw you, obviously, but something must have happened along that way to kind of get to the point where it just got to be too much. So I think just to draw on that a little bit, um, in my opinion, there's a, there's a huge overlap between who you are as a person and then your athletic performance. And I think there's a lot of literature on that, that some people are predisposed to have um, some performance anxiety, depending on who they are as a person. And, you know, I'm an, I'm an overthinker, I'm an analyzer. Um, so I think naturally, if you were to like, look back at me as like a kid or like going through high school, um, I think that I had a higher, a higher chance of developing some performance anxiety, not necessarily the yips, you know, that's, that's one whole side of the spectrum. Um, but I think that there was a chance that I was going to have performance anxiety just because of who I was, if that makes sense. Um, so I think naturally when I started climbing the ladder, so to speak, through different levels of competition and things like that, I started thinking more about the competition, um, I started analyzing my performances. I started worrying about how I was going to do going into the games. So the first time that I really felt like something was off was definitely during the Northwoods. Um, you know, playing catch before the game, uh, warming up in the bullpen, things like that. I could feel that something was off, um, specifically with like, for me, it was almost like a feeling in my chest and my heart rate. You know, I started thinking about, like my somatic responses and things like that and how my body felt off. And then Mitch to go off your, your question. I think that those like somatic responses just got worse and worse. Um, I kind of never like nipped it in the butt, but just like, as I got like deeper and deeper into the Northwoods and, you know, like playoff time and thinking about my performance in the future at UIC and, you know, knowing I was committed to go to, you know, school to play, I think it was probably like a time frame of about six months or so where things kind of progressed to get worse and worse. Um, and then in, in my opinion, in the, like the fall and winter going into our sophomore year, it kind of plateaued. Um, and then I'll go back to my start uh, down in the Delta. <laughs> I don't know the if Delta. you guys take, take, that or not. Take us through that start a little bit. Dive the into Delta. All right. Old Delta. Del- how, about when, how about when we showed up there? We fly in for opening weekend and, uh, we drive past the stadium. We're like, oh, that looks like a nice little high school field with like a shitty backstop. Sure enough, we're playing there the next day for opening weekend. And uh, as we're walking onto the like towards the field, one of their players comes out. We're playing Mississippi Valley State. Right. And one of their players walks out of the dugout and uh, our volunteer assistant coach at the time, Jack Lupo, who played at Vanderbilt. He's like, where the hell are we? And uh this guy comes walking out and introduces himself to Lupo and he goes, welcome to the Delta. And we're like, Oh my God. Oh, boy. oh my God. <laughs> we're all, a good one. all right. So we, I think we had a double header that day, if I remember correctly, and you were throwing one of the games. So um, yeah. Walk, walk us through kind of, kind of that out. Sure. So like I said, uh, to answer Mitch's question, you know, the performance anxiety was there. It kind of built for a couple of months and then it plateaued. And what I mean by that is that I would get anxious, like really anxious before the game. And then once I was out there, it was kind of like, all right, cool. Like I can compete. 
And obviously, like, I was able to compete well enough to where, you know, I was a starter opening weekend. You know, it's not like stuff that completely hit the fan yet. Um, but then that outing is when things really sunk in. Like, this is our first actual game against, you know, not us. Like, a six-hour scrimmage. Like, this is actually, like, a real game. Things like that. It's my first college start, you know, at the at the Division One level. And that's when things fell apart. Um, I looked back on it, and, like, I really, like, lost full control, you know? I had no idea. I'm sure if you were to look back at a tape, if there was one, my mechanics were all over the place, and it's because I was so I was so nervous and so afraid to make a mistake that I was basically trying to control every aspect of my movement that was already programmed before, you know? I've been throwing a baseball for 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden I'm trying to control that throwing motion instead of just letting it happen. And that's when you see like those herky-jerky movements. And, you know, if you've ever seen clips of, of guys with the yips, you know, they're, every throw looks different because they're, they're trying to control every aspect of it. So that was the, the first time in my life where I lost full control of things. Um, and then I only made it through one-third of an inning. I was pretty impressed, though. I mean, shit, I didn't know where the ball was going. And I, I still recorded it now, so it was pretty dope. But, yeah. <laughs> So I went one third of an inning and a start, you know, it was scoreless. Um, I remember Hinch came in after me and, and got like an extended start type deal or uh, like a spot start. Um, yeah. And then after that, you know, things kind of broke down. And I remember Mike telling me that, uh, you know, we're going to take a couple of months. We're going to figure things out. You're going to go to Gloria, get your work in and we're, we're going to get you back to normal. Um, but yeah, hopefully Mitch, that kind of answered your question, but yeah, yeah, it was kind of, you know, I had, I had performance anxiety for a long time, but it was one of those things that I just dealt with. I thought it was normal. And then those couple of months in the Northwoods and then leading up to UIC, things kind of got worse and worse, but I was still able to compete. You know, I kind of struggled with uh, like pickoffs or like PFPs, kind of like Lester, um, but I was still able to throw and things like that. And then, yeah, that start at <laughs> the Delta, uh, you know, well, really got well, me, Con- obviously. Connor, to, to give the listeners a, a little idea of our, our UIC culture, I'll never forget that day because, you know, you're in the bullpen, you threw a couple balls to the backstop, and we got Trevor Lane, our, our, our stud pitcher, <laughs> walks out and turns to the dugout and goes, hey, look, you see your eye. Like, no feel, dude. Like, just like everyone knows you're grinding over there. Nope, and he's not. like, hey, look, you see your eye. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it sailing or like Lane, dude. <laughs> Chill, man. Relax. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise that I was going through some stuff, you know. Like, you guys knew it watching bullpens, but I was still able to kind of pull together for performances. But, yeah, no, that's vintage. That's vintage Trevor Lane just being like, get a load of this guy. Like, dude's got no idea where the ball's going. What is he doing? But, He's yeah. going to be in the big leagues in a, in a couple years, so that, that explains it. He is. Uh, he is. What about, what about the other side of it? What about like coming out of it with a performance? So was there a, a bullpen or something behind the scenes or maybe an outing that was just like a confidence thing where you went out there and shoved and just kind of started, you know, stacking these chips to get back to who you were originally? hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, the, the pivotal moment where I realized that I had things back on track, which is a day that I'll never forget, you know, because and I don't want to get like too into it, but like, you know, when something means so much to you, like baseball meant to all of us, you know, and for a spurt of time, you forget how to play that game you love. Getting back on track is something like you'll never forget. Like it, it was unbelievable. 
and that day came against my start versus Michigan uh, sophomore year at Les Miller. Um, and you, you actually came in relief for that game, Jack. Uh, I just remember um, Mike telling me, because I think we played on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and I think he told me on Monday, he goes, hey, you're going to start versus Michigan. And I go, shit. Like, really? He goes, yeah, you're starting. And up until this point, I haven't thrown in a game for about two and a half, three months. Like, this was fresh off of the recovery process, like, if you want to call it that. And he goes, yeah, you got the ball versus Michigan. And I remember walking out to the field and, like, just straight up intimidated because these dudes were, you know, there's some big boys. And I was like, all right, like, what's the worst that could happen? So I go into it, and the coolest stat line of that whole game. So I think I went six, or, I think I went six innings, um, like 86 pitches. Like I said, I, I won't forget this. And I threw 83 fastballs. And I went six innings of, like, three-hit baseball against the University of Michigan. And, you know, Mike really pulled me off to the side afterwards. And I knew that I pitched well. But he goes, you realize what you just did, right? I go, yeah, like, I threw a good game. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, you just came off of now throwing a baseball competitively for about three months. And you shoved it up Michigan's ass. And you threw 83 fastballs and 86 pitches. He goes, you beat the University of Michigan with one pitch. Like, that's what you just did. And, like, after that, it was kind of like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. Like, I didn't look at it that way. I just thought it was a good performance, you know, and it was another building block on my way back to getting things right. But he goes, no, he goes, you're back. Like, you were were able to to do what you just did with one pitch, you know, against that team. He goes, you're going to be just fine. And then things kind of fell back you know, in a place after that. Yeah. I mean, things started moving in the right direction for sure. And you could start to see it just the way, um, the way you were off the field, more sociable, um, you know, obviously not stressed out as much as as you were that following year, but it's obviously something you kind of had to continue doing, right? Like the mental exercises, the uh, development, because it's just like strength training in a sense, Mm -hmm. like mental training is something you had to do constantly, especially if it's something that you're, you lack in or struggle with. Um, You know, fast forward to the 2017 year, uh, even I'll be, I'll be honest, even when you came out against Vanderbilt um, in that, what week two or whatever, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of, okay, like, what CRI is going to show up. And I remember after that outing and that performance at Vanderbilt, which I want you to take us through a little bit. um, After that outing as a teammate, as a friend, I was like, all right, like CRI is bad. Like that's, that's CRI. He's going to be good the rest of the year. And you were, you were. So Mm -hmm. take us through that, that outing, um, that moment and kind of how it helped you put everything in the past. Sure. Yeah. And, I think I think what what separated that outing um, from the past was I kind of look back on that one and I compare it to other outings against Vandy that we had, you know, because we were playing them every year, um, and I was still dealing with some stuff the other times that I threw against them. Um, so after that outing, you know, I reflected a little bit. It was like, yo, these dudes were the, the sixth seed in the country, and like not only did I play well, but like the whole team played well. Like I knew that like. You know, I don't want to get away from um, what we were talking about, but like there was just a whole different feel on that that team, a whole different feel. And yeah, after after that weekend, 
I was it was kind of the same thing as that Michigan game. It was like, yeah, like I like I'm good. And I don't mean that, um, you know, in a cocky way at all. But just kind of looking back on the ups and downs, it was that weekend at Vanderbilt where I walked away and was like, yeah, I got a shot. Like, I know I knew that I wanted to play professional baseball. Um, but up until that point, you know, it was like a questionnaire questionnaire here, like one there, maybe talk to a scout, whatever. Um, and then av- after that weekend, things really blew up and I started getting contacted um, by a lot of teams. But, yeah, I was able to look myself in the mirror and be like, like, yeah, dude, like you, you can pitch like you're going to be just fine. I feel like no one really knows us if you haven't played at Vanderbilt. But did you know that they intentionally set up the stadium the way that like for a purpose? So they you mean like with the football stadium? No, like if you if you go to Hawkins Field, you'll see they don't really market their college world series success anywhere else except for oh, the visiting yeah, yeah. team's bullpen and the visiting team's dugout mm-hmm. so all the banners are in your face when you're a visiting team showing up and they put the uh they put the college world series trophy right at the entrance where the visiting team walks in mm-hmm. but if you look around the rest of the stadium it's just like vandy boys you know commodores vu the star v there, there's nothing about their success outside of the visiting team bullpen and the visiting team dugout. And that's like very, very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. My but opinion, you, but you, you're ta- I heard that the football stadium was built. So like it would echo. So different tangent. Well, that, that's what I thought you were talking that's about. That's probably true too. And like, and uh, you know, I, they, they draw a big crowd, but they don't have the biggest, you know, like seat availability so they probably get an average crowd in there for the sec but it just feels like the place is packed and you know they Mm -hmm. could they could have easily put ten thousand more seats in there and had like an open empty stadium vibe but they just put you know two three four thousand seats in there bleachers in the um over the home run wall and then it's packed and it just feels like a madhouse but anyways Mm -hmm. you brought it up so a lot of success you start getting questionnaires when you when you're getting the attention from scouts and you're starting to think about the draft, is everything past you, or are there still little moments here and there where some bad demons start coming back? I think it was, I think it was more so fearing that it would come back. Like there was that stretch of time, uh, it was pretty much the whole 2017 season, where like I had no worries about my performance. I knew that I was probably going to be dialed in when I went out there. When I, when I started playing the way that I should have, I, d- I wasn't worried about bad results. You know, like if I got hit around, like so what? My biggest concern was like, am I going to have control of what I'm doing or are things going to spiral? My biggest thing was fear that something would come back again. And unfortunately it did um, in 2019, um, you know, like within the Reds farm system, you know, I had some more hiccups and things kind of fell apart again. Uh, but yeah, for for a while, it was just fearing that something would happen again. Not so much like I actually had things occurring um, that I didn't want to happen. Did like the lifestyle of being a minor leaguer, you think, play into that? No, like for me, that was that was almost a good distraction because I was thinking of like, man, you know, am I going to eat two PB&Js or am I going to just have one PB&J today <laughs> or like. 
are we going to get some like old bread and mac and cheese for the post game spread, or are we going to get you know something decent, you know? So will, will the entire you know, like, will the entire knife be shoved into the peanut butter jar? Or just half of it. Right, or am I going to have to use my fingers and scrape that out? Yeah, or the 14-hour bus ride overnight from Billings to Grand Junction. Like, that was always something to think about, too. But, uh, so it wasn't the lifestyle that got me. I think it was moving from Billings to Dayton. And for the listeners, Dayton, Ohio is, like, the epitome of, like, minor league baseball. And in a good way. Like, they pack the house every single night. The events that they have going on between innings are really fun. They have, like, the longest streak um, in, like, North American sports history of, like, selling out a stadium. So you're going to pitch in front of a packed house every single night, you know, thirteen to 15,000. And it wasn't so much the crowd that got me. I was always fine with dealing with that. Um, it was more so, like, kind of, like, taking a step back and being like, okay, like, I'm moving up the ladder of the farm system a little bit, you know, and, and I like going into the season, I, I knew that I was probably going to move up to date and just thinking of like the atmosphere there. And then after that, I kind of started looking ahead, you know, a little bit like after that's high A, you know, the double A. And I think that I just got way too ahead of myself, not thinking that I would progress up the ladder, but more so looking at what could be. And instead of just focusing on the present moment, putting a lot of more pressure on myself to continue pitching the way that I was, um, you know, to hopefully reach the top. And I think that's where I got into a little bit of trouble. Well, Connor, I, I know obviously through your career, a lot of, uh, you know, peaks and valleys throughout, but obviously had a super successful career uh, given the circumstances and the, and the battles you had to face. Um, you know, obviously being eighth round draft pick, having a ton of success at UIC and in the minor league system. Uh, was battling the yips and dealing with some of these anxieties something that kind of developed you as a person uh, for the future? And, and how did those experiences and battles kind of uh, pave like the pathway that you're leading right now? Yeah, so that's a really tough question to answer. But I think that like my career 100% shaped the path for the rest of my life. And even though um, you know, like I, and I wanted to possibly go into coaching afterwards, which thank God I do for a job now, you know, I get to work at that, that baseball facility, but I knew that I, Biggs baseball academy, crown walker. Yep. But yeah, Hey, they're at 44th and Western South side of the city. Great little spot, 10,000 square feet of turf. They got some good stuff going on there, but yeah, I coach, I coach there right now. Um, but it, in its, um, in its entirety, I think that who I am as a person and my career in baseball inevitably was going to shape what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I think that's helped people not so much battle their demons, but, but kind of optimize who they are and their performance. And I think that's what I'm really, really keen on. Um, you know, because even though, even though my story is a little extreme with the struggles that I went through, like, like you said, Mitch and Jando, like everybody goes through their own stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like pe- people have their own flaws and things with, with either their mental health or whatever it is, you know, um, relationships, like there's always things that are going to be, be going up and down. And I think that seeing the benefits of working with a sports psychologist or a mental performance consultant did for me, 
to do that for other athletes, you know, or just people in general, whether, you know, because life is a performance. If you think about it, like you get, you have to perform day in and day out, you know, if you want to live, you know? So I think that, you know, dealing with my own struggles, but then, like I said, seeing the help that, you know, a mental performance consultant or a sports psychologist can, can do for me. And then also the parallels that it draws to just normal life, you know, um, there's a lot of strategies that I implement day in and day out just for me, you know, whether it's, it's building my self-confidence, it's working on my, my self-awareness, my focus on things. Um, there's a lot of things that, that out, that were introduced to me in the sport realm that, that transfer really nicely over to the real world. Um, so yeah, hundred percent, my journey has, has kind of put me on a path that, you know, I've really found a, uh, like a profound passion for and, and something that I want to do for the rest of my life. So it's really, really cool. That's awesome. Really insightful, C. Rye. Um, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. I know in some cases it's kind of tough to go back and talk about that stuff, but I think you're doing an awesome mm -hmm. job of taking your experience and coaching now, helping kids out and, um, you know, talking to anyone that's playing the game today. Cause like we said at the top of the show, this stuff is a huge component of baseball and life. And it's really not talked about, nearly as enough so um you're our guy we appreciate you and hopefully have you on down the road yeah appreciate you guys no this is this is really fun but for any of you yeah looking at big baseball academy there we uh, go there we go oh, quick plug yeah. oh, baby free ad yeah. baby free ad there we go. so they're at 4425 uh southwestern boulevard uh chicago illinois 60609 so if you're going to play that back at a slower speed to get those numbers go ahead because i kind of flew through that but yeah on instagram they're just at big baseball academy um but yeah doing a lot, lot of cool stuff i'm happy to be a part of it i coach um the 15 and the 17 u teams so the oldest guys um and then I'll, i'm also in charge of driveline and velocity development in the off season so really really cool stuff over there all right we'll uh, we'll invoice karan and and uh get that bank stuff taken care of pretty soon um now yep thanks see